Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, July 26th, 2020. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night in New York studios on Long Island. Big show coming up for you tonight, folks. George Richards of Florida Hockey Now will be joining us. We are powered by Go Hockey Media and sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Great food. Great people and great Islander fans. Check out BlueLineDeli.com to check out the menu for all their great selections. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me as always is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well, Shawnee. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know why? Because we're a week away. Not even. qualifying round hockey. That's right. Not even. You're talking six days, pal. The Islanders have an exhibition game coming up on Wednesday. All the other ones start on Tuesday. So hockey is literally around the corner. Players have hopped on planes. They are already in the hub cities, already in the bubble, ready to go. There's there's so much going on here, and this is the last show before the games begin. So big show for us. You got Ilya Sorokin. He arrived on the island this week. He hopped on the plane with the team. He's going to Toronto. He's going to be participating in those practices. Like I said, you got the exhibition game Wednesday versus the Stranges. You got the puck dropping on Saturday. Five games like we talked about all day. Get a good rest Friday night because from noon until late into the night, you're going to have hockey on nationally broadcast television. It's going to be fantastic. We got the naming of Belmont Arena. You know, plenty of news going on here, and we got hockey coming up on the way. So, Christian, let's get into it. Yes, it's there's a jam-packed schedule of stuff going on this week. Obviously, starting with the Islanders, the rosters were announced earlier today, being Sunday when we record and host the show live. If you're listening later on the week, the rosters are out. And I think it's basically what, if anyone has been paying close attention, it's what you would have imagined with what was going to be going to Toronto for the New York Islanders. Obviously, uh, Kiefer Bellos not on the roster. Right. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom not on the roster. Obviously, not some people not thrilled about that, but when you look back at what Barry Trotz does, the system that he uh, has his guys play, and what's made the Islanders successful, those guys still need a little bit more time before Barry Trotz gives them the full reins to go out there in a, in a big situation like this. A five-game series is not a lot of time, and uh, there's no room for error during these uh, best-of-five series. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's fair to be a little concerned that guys like Bells, Bells and Wallstrom aren't going up there. Not so much because I personally think they deserve to be in any sort of opening night roster for this qualifying round, but because this is a complete unknown, a lot of questions surrounding this qualifying round and just how healthy and how ready these players are, how in shape they are. You know, if guys start pulling groins, straining muscles, you know, you just really hope that this Ilya Sorokin addition to the Toronto you know, practice situation doesn't bite the team in the butt because we did learn also that not only does he count towards the, what, 52 uh, people that right. can go and up to Toronto, but he also, you know, is included in that 31 players, which means he literally took a spot away from one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, we, I just don't know if that's necessarily how 
it, it was going to play out. I mean, you want Sorokin here. I think the benefit is him going up there to Toronto and him being with the team and partaking in, in this very unique situation and really getting involved into the Islanders' culture early on because I think the more you can have him around the organization, the more you can have him around the coaching staff, even if it's uh, you know not even on the rink or even if it's not playing in these games, I should say, then I think there's still some benefit to him being there. Also, when when you say he took a roster spot away from someone, I don't necessarily know if a, a Bellos or a Wallstrom was really going to be on this trip regardless if Ilya Sorokin was going or not. I well, mean, I just don't know if that's the right, case. Right, not a starting roster spot, but again, if you know a guy or two goes down on the forward core with the Islanders, mm. then all of a sudden you have to look at who they have available, and we just know that Bellows or Wallstrom will not be because they brought Sorokin. I would assume, you know, based on, I guess, who they left off of this this group of players, that maybe one of those guys would have actually gotten the call, would have made the trip to be there as, you know, a, maybe a failsafe, for lack of better terms, in case injuries mount up. So, look, I'm glad Sorokin's going. I'm glad that he's going to be getting reps with the team and, and getting integrated with the organization and the coaches. I think the sooner they do that, the better. But it is at the expense of a potential issue should injuries mount. You just kind of have to cross your fingers that that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, also, when, you, when you're looking in that scenario, you have to think, too, the implication that maybe some guys won't be available to play because of testing procedure, because of, um, you know, in, like you said, injury or, God forbid, illness in, inside the bubble. Those are all possibilities. But at the same time, like I said, you look at the roster players that they did bring, um, the guys that are basically the extra players or who are going to be the extra players, I mean, mm-hmm. those were the guys that were going to get into the roster, I would imagine, regardless of if Bellows and Wallstrom were there because mm-hmm. those are the guys that are going to play and kind of continue on with the Barry Trot system. You know, you look at like a Michael Dow Cole, an Otto Koivula, um, even a Ross Johnston. Um, mm-hmm. Those are guys who play two-way hockey. Um, you know, they're not the prettiest players on the ice. Michael Del Cole, we talked about before on this program, how I think he's a great third-line player, bottom six forward. Mm-hmm. The problem is the expectation where he was drafted, and that just wasn't fair on him. But still, he does have some benefit of being out there. He's a good two-way guy. You know, maybe you'll get a point or two out of him during a game. Mm-hmm. He ha- he's an asset, and if you're missing a bottom six guy, you can easily slot Michael Del Cole in there in most spots, and mm-hmm. you're going to be okay. You're going to feel confident that, that the product on the ice isn't going to take too much of a dip. Right, and interestingly enough, Arthur Stafel did a post on Twitter earlier when he did discuss the roster that was going, he kind of did it in line form. And one interesting note there is that it looks like to start Tom Kunakel is going to get that spot on the left wing for the third line. So that is the one spot I believe we got wrong right. in our pre-camp prediction. We had Dal call there. It ends up going to Kunakel. And I guess as we've grown to learn Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo and how they, they handle these rosters and stuff, they definitely seem to favor the you know more experienced guys you know like Kunakel as opposed to I suppose a guy like Dal Cole who you know is still kind of trying to find his way. I mean, look, this stuff will be fluid as we've talked about. These roster positions can change on a whim if some guys don't look good, if some guy isn't going the right way. But it looks like Tom Kunakel factors into that opening night roster. Yeah, at and, least and, right now. And even Barry Trotz was he was on the call the other day with with reporters and um, you know these these rosters. Things could change in a, in, a, in a pretty quick minute because of the situation that they're in. Like I was saying before, best of five series, there's not a lot of time for error. 
And if things aren't working, Barry Trotz isn't going to be afraid to go out there and make a change if he has to. So we could see a Del Cole. We could see a Ross John. You know, someone could jump in there if, if Tom Kunakel or anyone for that matter, mm-hmm. not to single, single him out. But anyone could see their roster, to- their roster spot replaced. Anyone could see their playing time replaced. Um, because the Islanders and the coaching staff has to be cognizant of the fact that this isn't a five, this isn't a seven game series. This is a five game series. If someone has to win three games first. There's no you lose game one, you're already at a disadvantage, even more so than if you lost game one in a seven game series because right. the pressure is just on you like that. Right. So this is the time where they're going to be pretty, I think, conscientious of making those those changes if they need to. Uh, quicker than maybe you'd see in a, in a regular series or even during the playoffs. So they think that's going to be the fat, fascinating thing, too. And also, um, again, Tom Kunakel is probably the best guy in last year's playoff series to score negative two goals during the postseason. <laughs> right. So, I right. mean, it's not like he's a he's a schlub. He can go out there and he can play. And he's a, you know, you know what you're getting. He's a talent. He's, he's a, just, look, he's not a sexy name. No. And for a team that we all acknowledge is hurting for scoring, he's not going to you know, bring the sort of excitement that maybe seeing Bellows or Walsh from getting right. in there would have brought. But it looks like they're just not ready. Your Barry Trotz doesn't feel that they are. But, again, this is also not a team that's going to win 5-1 or 4-1. Yeah. This is a team that's going to win close games. This is a team that's built to win 2-1, 3-2, yeah. um, you know, low-scoring games, not these go-out-there-and-shootout-style games that we saw under Doug Waite. I mean, you remember that. I mean, the Islanders were winning oh, yeah. under the Doug Waite early on, but those were 6-5, yeah. 4, you know, 4-2. It was it, Those were some wild nights yeah. watching those teams. So yeah. um, this is a much more structured team. This is a much more um, defensive-minded team, and that's not a bad thing, but it also goes on to put a lot more pressure, I think, too, on the Jordan Eberle is the, you know, Anders Lee, uh, Matt Barzal, the top line to go out there and do what they need to, too. I mean, we, we talked about it last week, I think. The way the top line goes seems to be the way the rest of the roster goes sometimes because when the top line's not scoring, that's when the Islanders really start to get themselves in trouble. Top line saw a lot of good good momentum coming out of training camp. Let's see if they can continue that going into the postseason. Right, and then you have your typical defensive pairings. You have Pelican Pullock. You have Taves and Mayfield. You have Boychuk and Letty. And then it looks like Green and Dobson are maybe your first option if, if something goes south with the D there. And then behind them, you have Thomas Hickey. And who is escaping me right now? Sebastian Ajo is on the roster. Sebastian Ajo, that's right. I believe that's the last one. So you got 10 D going up to Toronto. Yes. Only six can play, but they do have options and not bad ones. I mean, if Andy Green, Noah Dobson, or Thomas Hickey have to step in, I feel pretty good about it. I like the fact that Hickey's going to be there just as another veteran presence, even in the, the practice moments of being up there in Toronto, you know, he's always been well-regarded as a good locker room guy and a leader. So even if he doesn't step on the ice when it actually matters, I think it's kind of cool that he's going to be up there with the team. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the, the roster depth, the Islanders, again, we, you know, I think that's been one of the storylines in training camp. It's just how much depth the team has, especially on the blue line. We talked about it with Andrew Gross. We talked about it with Brian Compton. The fact that, you know, there were even some regular roster guys who just felt the pressure to just compete right out of camp because they knew – how much depth the team actually had this time around, I think is a really interesting thing to watch. And you're right. You have a guy like Andy Green, a veteran presence, helping and playing alongside a kid like Noah Dobson. That's a mm-hmm. that's certainly a good learning tool for Noah Dobson, who took a lot of strides forwards, a couple strides back, really asked to do a lot during his stint there filling in for Ryan Pulak. And some of it just not fair because he just wasn't ready at the moment. That's what made him go out and get Andy Green. So to have the two of those two of those guys as your backup option, not a bad thing. Thomas Hickey, who was another instrumental part in the Islanders' 2016 series victory over the Florida Panthers. I mean, 
You know what you're getting with Thomas Hickey. Look, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but when he lays a hit, he lays a hit, and he's not afraid to. <laughs> we have seen that to yes. throw his body around every once yeah. in a while. And he's, you know, he's he's a solid guy. You know he's what you're getting out of a clutch performer in the playoffs. Like the few times <laughs> yeah. he's had an opportunity to get into the playoffs with the Islanders. I mean, whether it's a big hit or a big goal, he's made himself known. Yeah. So I, look, that's not me campaigning to fit him into the top six, but at least if you know you got to go to him, he might be able to help out. And just to round things out before we break for George Richards is the goaltending. You have Arlamov, you have Grice, you have Gibson coming up. Obviously, we know him for Bridgeport. And Ilya Sorokin will be taking reps with the team as well. And I don't think we have to really expand on that much. We know what we're getting from those guys. We talked about them last week. Pretty much. I mean, it's just a question of who's getting the starting job at this point um, between Varlamov and, and Thomas Grice. So, uh, you know, we'll probably figure we'll get that answer in the next couple days. Obviously, yeah, uh, we'll see how things play out in the preseason game against the New York Rangers, because I think that's going to be the real telltale sign right there. For sure. Um, you know, I've said, uh, you know, I think we talked about it last week, right? I think the starter who plays that game is going to get the full 60. Maybe that's not the case. Yeah. I think I think it should be if I'm if I'm the coach. But then again, I'm not paid to, to make those decisions. I'm right. just paid to nitpick them. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert, myself, and Christian Arnold. We're going to take a quick break, and George Richards from Florida Hockey Now will be joining us. The only thing better than a Great Long Island Deli is a Great Long Island Deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. Looking for great Islanders content on the web? Islanders Insight has you covered. Islanders Insight provides top flight analysis and the latest news from inside the locker room and behind the scenes. Whether it's progress at Belmont, trades, injuries, hirings, firings, or signings, Islanders Insight is on top of it all with an excellent staff of writers featuring Hockey Night New York's own Christian Arnold. So head on over to islandersinsight.com and stay up to date on all things Islanders. Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. And joining us right now from Florida Hockey Now is Mr. George Richards. George, thanks a lot for joining us. How you doing, sir? I'm good. What's going on? Hey, it's almost hockey time. We are very excited. A couple of days away from exhibition hockey, and then we got the big qualifying round. Islanders, Panthers, want to start off the top here congratulating you on your new gig with Florida Hockey Now, and I believe you have a new podcast coming down the pike too? 
Yeah, started it last week. Uh, started my own Florida Panther podcast. Uh, I call it the Panthers Press Box. Very and, nice. Uh, it's getting rave reviews. I mean, everybody's talking about it. You heard about it. I mean, you know, the whole world's talking about it, really. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. The podcast is in. So let's talk a little Islanders-Panthers here. Yeah. So they made their journey up to Toronto. The roster is set. So let's start with that. What are your initial thoughts of the crew they've sent north of the border for this qualifying round? Well, no surprises. They came into camp with 30. They, they went to Toronto with the same 30. So, um, you know, they've, they've all been on the ice together. I mean, uh, Joel Quinville, with rare exception, has kept his lines together, his D, you know, D combinations together. And, um, you know, pretty much the same lineup we've seen uh, with only a couple additions uh, with last time we saw him back in March. So um, they just seem to jump right back at it. And, uh, you know, they're hoping to, you know, get her going when they get up to Toronto come Wednesday. I think one of the interesting questions is how is Bobrovsky going to play? I mean, obviously, to start the season the way things have gone, it wasn't necessarily the best first impression maybe uh, for for Bob in in his first year as a Florida Panther. How do you think that the break and now the training camp has helped him kind of acclimate to the organization now headed into this playoff series with the New York Islanders? Well, they hope it's helped them, you know, immensely because, you know, it was a big, a, a big change for him. I mean, he'd, he'd played seven seasons in Columbus and, you know, when he and his wife came down to South Florida for the start of training camp, they hadn't even bought a house yet. So they were looking at houses, you know, right before training camp started. So he's been able to settle in and kind of get the lay of the land a little bit and, um, you know, and on the ice, there were a lot of adjustments as well, you know, trying to get used to a new team, a team that played completely different defensively than the team that he had been with before, um, you know, Columbus and Florida, the way they played defensively night and day. Um, the Panthers seemed to shore that up late in the year when 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 Bob was hurt. So, um, you know, he has he never really got to see what the Panthers could do, you know, playing some pretty good D's. So we'll see what happens there. And also health wise. I mean, he was he missed the last four games, seemed to have some kind of lower body thing. He says he's feeling good now, so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, how Bob plays is is probably the key number, the number one key to what how the Panthers are going to do moving forward. And I think one of the other interesting notes heading into the Panthers leaving for Toronto is that Aaron Ekblad missed, I believe, the last three days of practice, if um, if I remember your reporting correctly. Is there any yeah. update? Is this a serious matter, or is this more maybe he just missed a couple days to, because of a minor ailment? Well, he skated yesterday. That's what Joel Quinville said. He, you know, he's obviously in Toronto, um, so it's not an illness or whatever. So that's good. Um, we really don't know. They're not saying anything as far as severity. He, you know, Joel Quinville kept saying it's not serious. He's going to play. Um, maybe, you know, he never said anything about him playing Wednesday against Tampa, but he said Saturday when the games count, he'll be out there. So, um, you know, the Panthers practice Monday in, in Toronto, and uh, we'll see what happens there if he's out there. And and during these strange times here, George, normally you might ask, hey, George, are there any guys, any other guys that might be injured going into this series here? But now the question is, is anybody unfit to play? Is there anybody else in the roster that might be questionable that might have been in and out during their training camp? I know on our side, on the Islander side, you had a couple of guys where they'd be in a day, out two days, then back in. And, and you know, now we're not really getting an explanation as to why. It's just they're either fit or they're unfit. So any, anything going on with uh, any Panthers players over there? <laughs> 
Nope. The Panthers have been pretty much healthy. They, uh, Nola Chari missed a day very early on in training camp and was back out there the next day and hasn't missed since. So yeah, that he's been the only one aside from Aaron Eckled. All right. So let's talk a little bit about behind the bench here. We have two of probably the best coaches in the NHL right now going head to head with Barry Trotz and Joel Quenville. Now, I don't know what the nature of, of Quenville's, you know, um, I guess sharing as far as with the press and whatnot, but has he talked any strategy regarding this matchup against the Islanders and how they might be approaching this? And maybe even with some lessons, I know he wasn't there, but maybe even with some lessons learned from the, the loss back in 2016. No, I, I mean, I think so much is different between the 2016. I mean, the Panthers only have a handful of players left from that. You know, they're, what, three or four coaches removed by now. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, geez. Um, you know, so a lot has changed. I mean, yeah, I mean, Capuano was an assistant for the Panthers for two years. That's how long right. ago that seemed. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, uh, you know, the only thing he's talked a lot about is – you know, when you when you look at the Islanders, we all know the way the Islanders play. I think the one thing that that Quinville has definitely stressed is that his team needs to be patient and they need to pick their spots and they can't they can't get frustrated if the goals aren't coming the way that they're you know used to. I mean, you know, the the Islanders have a tendency of slowing you down and and, and keeping you in check, and they just you know the Panthers need to be patient and and he's been saying that since the start of training camp and I think he mentions it like anytime you mention the Islanders so um I'm sure he is he's that's in every single meeting that the Panthers have um is just that you know you've just gotta you know make make you know if, if things you can't force things basically against the Islanders and and that's what the Panthers are, are concentrating on is just trying to to do the right things play defensively play good in their own end uh, move the puck and you know see what happens we're talking with George Richards from Florida Hockey now you can follow him on Twitter at George Richards if you're not already George, I want to ask you about what you think is going to be the X factor for the Florida Panthers. For the Islanders, um, one of the big things is always special teams. The power play, especially because of how much it struggles during the regular season, almost constantly. Um, You could also mention Jordan Eberle and the top line, like we were talking about earlier. For the Florida Panthers, what, in your mind, is the X factor that needs to be going right for them to beat the New York Islanders? Well, first off, we already talked about Sergei Bobrovsky, so let's not let's not use him. But I think that the, the top guys, Florida's top guys are going to have to perform. The Panthers have a lot of talent. We all know that. Um, they've got a lot of high-end guys. They've got Sasha Barkov, Jonathan Huberto, Aaron Ekblad. Their top guys have to be their key guys. I mean – you're you're always are going to you're going to get you know guys contributing you know lower you know guys down in the line we, we all know that that's what happens in the playoffs you get some some weird heroes that way um but you need your your key guys you need you know you know like Tavares did in 2016 he owned the Panthers because he's he, you know he always stepped up in those big moments the Panthers need you know Barkov Huberdo and Ekblad to do the same are there any young guys on this roster here that you might expect to maybe step up and, you know, maybe at least for, for an Islander fan, somebody who's not, you know, as in tune with the Florida Panthers roster, any younger guys that might uh, have an opportunity to really step up and make a name for themselves in this uh, qualifying round and, and playoffs? 
Well, right now, a guy that's not in the starting lineup right now, but is probably going to find his way in, um, you know, a guy that Joel Quinville just just absolutely loves, but just doesn't have room for him right this second is Alexi Sorella, a guy, uh, you know, he'll be the next forward in. Uh, I would think, to, you know, if the, if the Panthers lose game one, he might be in the lineup game two, if not game three on that back to back. You know, he's a guy that the Panthers got, you know, last, you know, uh, this season. Um, you know, he played in the Carolina, Carolina hurricane system. I believe he played for the Rangers, you know, the Blackhawks. Uh, he's, he's been bouncing around, you know, but he's a, he's a, an extremely talented player, great speed, terrific shot. And, uh, was really playing well at the end of the season when they had the pause, uh, the only, the, you know, the only reason he's not in there right now, it looks like Brian Boyle is healthy and is, has kind of replaced him in the lineup. Other than that, the Panthers lineup is the same as it was in St. Louis. So, um, I, I would think Alexi Storella might be a guy that could be an X factor kind of player. And let's talk about, I suppose, well, recent in terms of, of when hockey was actually back. You, you go back to the trading deadline, and the Islanders picked up a guy named Pajot. He might be a guy the Islanders are looking at as yeah. a potential X factor. Now, you have the Panthers here who are in a, you know, you look back now, and they were probably in a situation where they were not expecting to get to the postseason, right? If all things had been normal, they were probably looking at maybe, a you know, watching from home when these playoffs started. Now you have this new situation where you add a couple of teams, but they make a deal at the deadline and they trade Trocek and they bring in a guy like Walla. Now he only got a couple of games in. How do you, how do you see him factoring in on this roster? And, you know, do you think maybe, you know, without being able to see the future here, are they kicking themselves a little bit now for, for dealing away Trocek? Well, I think they needed to right the ship a little bit. That was a, a move out of desperation as much as it was to kind of help themselves. I think when, when you look at the trade that they made, yeah, I mean, Vincent Trocek is a name people know, um, you know, an up and coming young player, but you know, the last couple of years, he's kind of struggled a little bit here in Florida and the Panthers were just a sinking ship in February. Um, and by sending, by sending, uh, the Trocek to Carolina, um, it kind of shook things up a little bit, but they also got two centers that, 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 you know, and Eric Halla and Lucas Walmark, um, who play, you know, I mean, Halla had the same stats that, 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 that Trocek had at the time of the trade. Um, so that was a wash. And then you get a guy like Walmart who really solidifies that third line. Um, I, I don't know if they're kicking themselves or not. I think they're very happy with the two guys they got back. Plus the two prospects guys who don't, who won't factor into this series. I don't think you, you never know, but they're on the roster. So all four guys that the Panthers got from Carolina are on this 30 man roster. Um, Listen, I, would the Panthers have made the playoffs? I don't know. They had 13 games left. Um, when they won in St. Louis, they were a point back at Toronto mm-hmm. um, with a game still against. I mean, I, I think they could have made it. I, I think that the way they sure. were playing at the end of the year, those last three games, they were playing pretty good. They didn't have to jump a whole bunch of people. They had Toronto right in front of them. So I don't know. They might have. Um, but. You know, I, I think they had to make that move because they had to say, I mean, they made that move. They didn't make that move because they were sellers. They mm-hmm. were trying to salvage themselves. Gotcha. I mean, they really were, you know. All right, George, we want to put you on the spot a little bit here. Five game series, best uh, best of three, or winner, winner, winner of three moves on. What's your prediction? Who's moving on and how many games? 
I, I think the Panthers win. I think it goes to five. I'm not trying to pull a homer. I just think that they were playing. That, yeah, I'm, I, I know. I know. I, I just, I mean, you've got Bob Rofsky, So the Panthers, if Bob Ross, if Bob plays the way we think he can, the Panthers have that advantage. The Panthers have, you know, more offensive talent. They're a little softer defensively um, than, than, than the Islanders. But I think that, you know, in this kind of setting, you don't have a home crowd. It's going to be sterile. I think it's, 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 I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, if you tell me that the Islanders are going to sweep it in three, okay, I'll, <laughs> sure. The Panthers are going to win in three. All right, yeah, sure, I can see well, that. You know, so this is a brand new season. We don't, you know, I I don't think anything that happened last season even matters because it, it's it's a brand new deal. I'll give you that at the end, but George, I feel like you haven't learned your lesson from four years ago. I mean. We had you on the show before the first round of the Islanders-Panthers, and I'm pretty sure you gave the Dude. Panthers prediction then. <laughs> I mean, the, so the you got to be careful the better, I'm sorry. The Panthers <laughs> were the better team in 2016. I, I, you know, I'm sorry. They yeah, were. They were the better team. They just – they could how, how they couldn't score against Rice, I still don't know. But It know, was magic. There's no, no way, in fairness to you, George, no one could have predicted the way the Islanders – I mean, you had Thomas Hickey scoring a game-winning goal. You had – Alan I mean, Quine. Alan Quine. Thomas Grice plays yeah, out of his was, mind. Well, was and that was a terrific series. I think people, you know, kind of slept on that series, and every game was great. I mean, it was a terrific series. Was let me ask you this: Was the turning point that that video call, that offside call in that one game, was that the turning point <laughs> of that series? <laughs> yeah, that one didn't help. Yeah, I thought that you know, yeah, that that definitely turned the tide a little bit. Sure. I, th- I think it might have. But uh, George, before we let you go, why don't you just plug the new yeah. site, Florida Hockey Now? Talk a little bit about that in the podcast, and then I will let you get going. No, I appreciate it. No, it's just a new a new Panther site. You know, it, it's, you know, I felt like the Panthers were kind of underserved in this market and, you know, I've been covering them for 15 years. So, uh, you know, why not me? Keep it going. So yeah, Florida <laughs> hockey now for all your Florida Panthers news. <laughs> Absolutely. With your podcast, you know, Hey, listen, I just have a bunch of guys on there. We talk hockey and we have a good time and, um, you know, that dropped on Friday. I'm going to do like a pregame show for the Tampa game on Wednesday. And then Excellent. I'll have something on, you know, Friday and Saturday to, to lead into this series. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch Quinville and, and Barry you yeah. know, kind of match wits. I mean, th- those two guys have seen everything that you could see in this game. They've never seen this, though, and they both said it. You know, they, I mean. They've never seen a situation like this. This is the weirdest thing any of them have gone through. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they get their teams ready and, and get them prepared for this. Yeah, well, well, George, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And best of luck with your new endeavors. And really appreciate you coming on and uh, hope to have you on again down the road. Oh, anytime. Talk to you guys later. All right, George. Take care. Thanks, George. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. George Richards of Florida Hockey Now. Not learning his lesson from 2016. <laughs> I mean, in fairness to George, he's not wrong. I mean, no, the Florida Panthers were the better team in that series. The Islanders had the benefit of John Tavares, Thomas Grice playing out of his mind, and then you had these secondary guys playing heroes. Now, does that repeat where you have Matt Barzal or Jordan Eberle or, uh, uh, you know, an Anders Lee going out there and Sammy stepping Valama. up? And Varlamov or, or Grice in the, again in this situation playing out of their minds? I mean, right. it really is the – I mean, you know, that – Playoffs in general are always the craziest thing. You add to the mix of how much 
stuff has been going on in the world. The fact that there's been four months since the last competitive game has been played in the National Hockey League. You have this training camp. The Islanders get healthy, so are they better? Are they? I mean, is this the Islanders team that we saw go 17 games with points and, and 10 straight games with wins earlier in the season? Or is this the Islander team that we saw struggle a bit towards the end of the year and fall out of fall out of what was should have been high playoff contention spot, uh, and instead they were out of the playoff positioning once the season paused and they got I don't want to say they got lucky, but in fairness to the teams around them, mm-hmm. you know it certainly benefited them that the season was paused and that the when they came back they said all right we'll allow these teams outside the bubble <laughs> under a certain point to still make the postseason or give them a chance to make what will become, I guess, the traditional you know 16-team playoffs and mm. chase for the Stanley Cup. So, right. I mean, the Islanders got the benefit a little bit here too, and now it's a question of which team is showing up to the to the postseason and even which players. You I know, mean, we're talking about the top line, Jordan Eberle out there, who is such a key piece last season in the mm-hmm. postseason against the Penguins. Is it going to be that Jordan Eberle, or is it going to be the Jordan Eberle we saw earlier this year where – you know, he went stretches without goals. You know, he struggled to put up points. And, I, I mean, that's not a knock on Jordan Eberle. I, mean, I think he understood and understands what was going on there. But mm-hmm. at the same time, they're going to need those guys to step up. So I, I think this is going to be fascinating to see this all play out. Oh, without question. I mean, that's I, that's half the reason why we're all tuning in on Saturday, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess Wednesday too. But, yeah, and, and just to piggyback on that, they started releasing a, a few more details surrounding on how that's going to work, mm-hmm. how the presentation's going to look. I don't know if you guys out there saw the pictures up on Twitter. Uh, we, we seem to source Dave Pagnotta all the time from the fourth <laughs> period because the guy's He's just a, on top of it yeah, all the time. Great hockey reporter. Yeah, and so he had a lot of information on that, and he was posting some pictures, and you saw how they're kind of going to use like a, <clears throat> excuse me, like a backdrop. Yeah, at least on one side mm-hmm. of the ice where they're going to have these like where huge the cameras photos. Are be facing. Right, right. So you're going to have these huge, huge photos of, of players and stuff like that. And, you know, apparently they are going to pump in some crowd noise. Apparently it's tied in with EA Sports, uh, I, NHL I, hockey. Yeah. And so they're going to try to simulate, I guess, a new experience, a, a different sort of crowd experience. And it will be on a delay, a five-second yes. delay <laughs> for the that. purpose of any – any dirty talk out there in the ice, you know? Five-second delay is is a long time, but it's really not. I mean, it's very easy to hit or miss some of those expletives. I, I feel like, you know, you might still get a Cal Clutterbuck expletive out yes, there. Yeah, I think you will. I think He's a well-known chirper out there. He might still be, like, mid-sentence, <laughs> mid, mid-insult, mid you know, to somebody on the Panthers. But I guess, look, it, kinda, it makes sense because I can't imagine they were just going to let that stuff fly. Right. Because, look— Anybody who plays hockey knows for sure, and anybody who's been walk- watching hockey for long enough knows that there's a lot of banter that goes on in that rank, on that rank, or even at any competitive sport. Soccer. Yeah, of course, soccer. I, you know, I threw on the NYCFC. Mm-hmm. I forget who they're playing their opening game in the in the yeah. whatever it's called, round robin or however it's phrased in the beginning. But mm-hmm. there was a lot of expletives that got through right. the ESPN sensor that that was broadcast in the game. So I mean. You think soccer not as not as hardcore as hockey, but there is plenty of expletives being thrown around out there. So you can only imagine how many are thrown out on the hockey rink when mm-hmm. guys are going full speed and everyone's competing. Well, hey man, these are competitive sports, like you said. Yeah, you know, you get out there, adrenaline's high, the emotions are high, and you say something and maybe you regret afterwards. <laughs> or you say something you're like, "I'm glad I said that <laughs> to that effing guy," yeah. whatever the case may be. But Christian, before we we dive back into everything else here. I, I almost forgot to ask you at the top of the show. 
How's your tummy feeling? How do you feel right now? Are you okay? I feel fine. Thank you for asking. <laughs> okay, you look fine. Don't know where you're going with this. Oh, you know where I'm going with this. So, folks, you might have seen on Twitter earlier today, we teased a little event, so to speak, that we had over at the Blue Line Deli and Bagels over at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. So, if you listened to the show last week, Donnie Rosner came on and Christian uncomfortably puts him on the spot about, comfortably about on the spot. <laughs> naming a sandwich after the Not show. Start that. Donnie being the good guy that he is, he issues a challenge. You guys eat some sandwiches, and if you finish them, We'll give you, you know, we'll give you a, a sandwich named after you guys. So we're not going to tell you what happened, how it went. We posted a couple of pictures today just to show you that we did it. We have a little bit of a, uh, a video coming forward later when we get that all, you know, organized and whatnot. But we did do it today. We we accepted the challenge. We did it. We had a lot of fun with Donnie. It was a good day, and we're looking forward to releasing that. But but Christian, I'm just glad that. You know, you're feeling all right because you look like you were, you were struggling a little bit during the event. I'm feeling fine. Thank you for your concern. <laughs> Good. The, the time between then and now, I, I guess, served its purpose and you're feeling a little better. Yeah. I mean, I won't be eating for the next week and a half, but <laughs> right. I'm feeling all right now. Yeah, there, there are well, well, well-packed sandwiches and thankfully we, we both survived. And yeah, I, I haven't needed to eat since since we did it. Survived, I feel like, is a stretch. We... We barely survived. Okay, uh, we're here. That's that's the here. important thing. We're here. We're doing it. Here, we both have here boulders in our stomachs. Is different, but we're <laughs> we're here, and we're doing it. So we discussed the roster. Pretty much, we pretty much covered that. You know, head to toe as far as what's going up to Toronto. Just to touch a little bit more on Sorokin. You know, we know that he's going to be ineligible, and he took potentially took a spot from one of these young guys. I think one of the cooler thing is. Cooler things is, you know, we're actually going to see photographs and video footage of Ilya Sorokin practicing and playing hockey with the New York Islanders in New York Islander colors. So it's not the real thing yet, but it's damn close, and I think it's going to be pretty good for Islander fans to see. It's something, again, no one, a lot of Islander fans, I should say, just didn't think was going to happen. And, and here we are, you know, in the middle of some crazy times and Ilya Sorokin things Went the way the Islanders needed. He's here. He's a member of the organization. He's locked up for another year. And I think that's extremely exciting for everybody involved, from Lou Lamorello and the coaching staff at Barry Trotz to, you know, the average Islander fan who's been drooling over this kid and wanting him to be a member of this organization for so long, watching what he's been doing over in the KHL, watching what he was doing for the Russian national team. Um, I mean, this is something that many people, like I said, never thought was going to happen. Right, right. Well, it's real, and it's getting more and more real as the days go by. I think it's fantastic he was on that plane up to Toronto, and I'm really excited to see, as I'm sure many of you are, to see just you know how this kid looks in the, uh, in the orange and blue, if you will. And I, we don't know what number he's going to wear yet, right? There we was, do not know what number. I know there was some confusion on social confusion media earlier, earlier today. today yeah. But as far as I understand, I don't think he has a set number yet. Obviously, that'll change, and obviously... Um, you know, next season when he is a member, an active member of the organization, he'll have a number, and then everyone can run out and get their Ilya Sorokin jersey. <laughs> yes, indeed. And some other, I suppose, I guess you might be excited about it, but some other interesting Islanders news that happened this week was the arena at Belmont Park now has an official name, so that's getting a little more real, too. A 20-year deal is in place for the New York Islanders to be called UBS Arena. No more Coliseum, no more Barclays Center. It's not a garden. It's not a place. It will be the UBS Arena, and I think a lot of people were like, 
what the hell is that? <laughs> What's UBS, right. right? It's a Swiss bank. And you do a little mistaken. research, you find out it's a it's a bank in Switzerland. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> they got the deal. And, you know, they made a little announcement. And there was a little bit of a, a Zoom sort of town hall with Gary Bettman, with John Ledecky, and a couple other players involved. Not, I don't mean literal hockey players. I mean people involved with, you know, the arena and the situation, Tim Lewicki. And they talked a little bit more about the details and just, you know, what's going down and surrounding that and stuff like that. You know, we learned a couple other tidbits that there's going to be eight bars in the arena where you can actually stand and watch the game, which is pretty cool. John Ledecky was saying that I think they're going to have the most bathrooms than any other arena in the league, the most parking. I mean, if you get excited about that sort of thing. But, you know, from an Islander fan perspective, just because of how awful this arena situation has been for so long, like, it probably is nice to hear that stuff. Like, oh, I may not have to wait a half hour to use the facilities. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, obviously, the arena naming rights isn't a, isn't a sexy announcement by any stretch right. of the imagination, right. but it's another it's another sign that this isn't just something that's a glimmer of hope on the horizon. It is basically almost here. The work on that facility has been going on obviously since it restarted because it was paused because of the uh, COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. So construction has restarted. They made tremendous progress even before that. Right. So I think the announcement of a naming rights partner is a significant move because it's just another step in that direction of we're almost right. there. You know, October, 2021 looks like a realistic possibility still. I mean, well, everyone, according, but, according to that town yeah. hall, Tim Lewicki said we're on track. Look, it's going to be open. I'm always skeptical of things being on track, especially in the state of New York and construction projects yeah. in the state of New York. I mean, mm-hmm. things are bound to happen sometimes, but I mean, all signs point to this being done by 2021 in time for the NHL season. So that's an exciting endeavor for the Islanders. It's exciting for the ownership group. Obviously that's worked very hard to get this done behind the scenes in public. So, I mean, it's it's exciting if you're juiced to have your arena named after a bank in Switzerland, <laughs> and it's exciting to know that this is not just a, a fleeting glimmer of hope. This is a real substantial thing that continues to work towards the finish line of being actually a physical, real thing by the next by the next time after the uh, 2021 season, nope. I guess you would say. So it would be 2021-22, time for the 21-22 season. You got that? There's numbers involved. It's getting real close to math. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Take your time. Sound it out. All right. Well, before we kind of dive around the rest of the league, because there have there has been a few news nuggets coming out as, as recently as, as earlier today. A few news nuggets. But My goodness. Before we... Bombshell in that. Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. And before we get to that stuff, and also the 32nd team that actually has an identity now. Oh, yeah. Now, that's right. Right. Yeah. I forgot about that with yeah. all the chaos in Arizona. I just wanted to ask you about these last, you know, these final days at camp. You know, now that they've boarded the plane, they're up in Toronto now. Is there anything, any updates you have from training camp that you've seen over this last week that you can kind of give the listeners, um, you know, as far as how they've looked on the ice, how Barry Trotz might be happy with the way they're performing or not? Just um, give us an update on that. Yeah, I think, what was that, last Sunday we were we were here doing the show, and that was after Barry Trotz kind of said he was not thrilled with the overall performance. Right. So I think that's changed a little bit. I think the Islanders have put some some good work over the last week or so. Um, before heading to Toronto, obviously the big, big, big thing that they focused on this week was the special teams, power play, penalty kill. Um, and you kind of got a little bit of insight into that. And, um, you know, as Anthony Beauvillier talking about it earlier in the week, that he, he feels that the Islanders are moving the puck well, that he's he likes what he's seeing from the power play. He's, I believe he's going to be part of that special teams power play unit once the actual games get going. He was, he was working on it during the week. So 
I think that's an indication, if you will, that that he's going to be there. So you hope that the Islanders are getting it together when it comes to special teams. I mean, I think their per- power play percentage was like 17.3 during the regular season. It was not good. It was yeah, like, it was like right around the 17.9, the, they, yeah. they had the league lowest in, in power play opportunities. They were in ah, the— Ah, yes, the great power play conspiracy. In the bottom half of actually— uh, capitalizing on those power play opportunities. It was not a high amount that they capitalized. I think it was like 29 without having the stats directly in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't great. And now heading into the series, I think that's going to be the big key is that the special teams, power play penalty, penalty, penalty kill, are going to be even more crucial than they already are. And so there was a lot of work done on that, especially during the scrimmage days. That was, um, I think, mostly during the second period of the scrimmages that I saw anyway was when the power play work was really being done um, the couple days that I was there. So it was interesting to see play out, and, um, you know, it looked pretty good. You know, you had Matt Barzal, and um, I forget who else scored on on the power play one of the days I was out there for uh, some of those scrimmages. So not a bad sign. Hopefully they can carry that over once they have an actual opponent against them on the ice. Okay, well, folks, we're going to take one more quick break here. We want to thank you once again for listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. When we come back, we'll talk a little about the Seattle Kraken and the league that, and the news that happened in Arizona today. We'll be right back. When it comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. If orange and blue are your team colors, visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HNINY for 15% off your order. Yes Men Outfitters, stick to the system. you have a nice break well it's time to get back on the couch for more islanders therapy with shawnee and c arnold on hockey night in new york sean i have to say these new beats are top notch top shelf right you would say (laughs) top shelf top shelf (laughs) these are great i'm glad you're digging them man i'm glad you're digging them well welcome back to the program folks we're gonna talk a little seattle cracking brand new franchise name and logo and branding and all that good stuff uh, the folks over in Seattle decided that they were going to make us wait near an eternity. <laughs> well, I think they had an idea that they wanted to do it earlier. They did. It everything got delayed, going yes. on in the world, they said, let's wait and let's uh, do this at a time when it's a little more appropriate. And they felt that that time was earlier this week. Yeah, they, or last ga- week. they gave the Islanders a day to announce their arena rights and all that and the naming and stuff. <laughs> and then the following day, Seattle's like, all right, it's our turn. And here we are. We now know that the Seattle franchise will be called the Kraken, a singular name, kind of like the Lightning. Yes. Um, a little different. I was a little surprised that they went with Kraken. I'm not opposed to it. I think it's cool. I think it's different. I don't really have a problem with it. What I do really, really, really like, though, is the logo and the colors. I think they knocked out of the park. I think that S logo is really sharp. It looks great. And we got a a look at the home and away jerseys. And I think they really made it work. 
And I imagine I saw it on Twitter, and it's funny because there definitely were some Islander fans that saw the the color scheme, and and I guess the the fact that it's just you know aquatic schemed, right? right? And it 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 brought back memories of a little ninety five ninety six. Uh, uniform that, that showed up, yeah, experiment if you will. I even saw some Photoshop work of a of a fisherman logo on the the Kraken jerseys, which was pretty funny. But you have to wonder, right? Like they pick these colors and stuff, and you know, any thought of maybe using like a wave shape for the striping? <laughs> they probably were like, well, we we want to thank the Islanders for 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 giving that a shot already, <laughs> and, and seeing that it failed miserably. So they knew to keep the striping straight. They kept it pretty, you know, normal with that, but. You know, I like the the nice touch with the with the red eye inside the inside the S and the tentacle going up the middle. I think that's real sharp, and there's probably going to be a Kraken hat in, in in the near future for me. Yeah, it's a, a sweet design. It is an awesome logo that they put together, and I think it encompasses what they want to do in Seattle. It's a big sports town that really goes all in for their sports teams. You look at how that mm-hmm. city's embraced. Um, the traditional teams, the Seahawks, obviously, right. and even the teams that are a little less traditional when it comes to the North American market, the Sounders. I mean, for the MLS, yeah, Seattle they got a huge its, thing going on it's there. It's right? one of its biggest markets. I Does mean, Drew Carey still on that team? I'm not sure to be honest. So with I you. remember I used to see video clips of him literally leading a parade of fans <laughs> to the arena. Like they used to do this big thing before the games. It's it's a great time if you ever get yourself over there to see see a game mm-hmm. for the Sounders. But I mean, it it just goes to show why the NHL was so it's emblazoned to go to Seattle. You right. know, it's not necessarily a traditional hockey market, but mm-hmm. when you look at how they've accepted and embraced a lot of their sports teams, I mean, you know, you put how they lost the Supersonics. That was a team that that city loved. And obviously it went through a lot of stuff uh, going on that as far as Islander fans can, can comprehend, I'm sure they can understand a lot of what Seattle Supersonic fans went through mm-hmm. during that whole um, ordeal, which they eventually became the Oklahoma City Thunder and basically stolen from the city of Seattle. Right, um, right. So, I mean, Islander fans certainly can appreciate that. But the point I'm getting at is that that city really embraces every sports team that it has. And I think that the NHL, you know, now and I was going to say the NHL Seattle franchise, it's the Seattle Kraken, <laughs> yeah. I think are, it kind of fits the motif of what Seattle is. It's a very interesting city, to say the least, in mm-hmm. that the Kraken motif, I think, certainly fits them uh, to a T. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's cool. It's great we're going to have balance in the conferences now. Yes. You know, 32 teams, 16 on each side. We'll, we'll see how Seattle is kind of woven into the schedule. I wonder if now with 32 teams, if the – well, obviously, yeah, the scheduling of the league will have to change slightly. I wonder what effect that's going to have on, like, the Western Conference teams that the Islanders end up playing, how they structure that and stuff like that. But they're coming in the same year that Belmont's coming in. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw – you probably did. You saw on Twitter that they updated their bio after they released the logo, and it said something to the effect of – Oh, we're coming for your favorite player or yeah, something like fig- that. Yeah, yeah. now we're planning for, for a way to take your favorite player. And, and that's going to you know, be a real discussion here for, for fans of the rest of the teams in the league coming soon is, is who's going to get plucked, who's going to be available, and how that's going to work. So, What's also going to be fun to watch is how much have the other NHL GMs learned from their mistakes with Vegas. Yes. I mean, basically, yes. everybody tried to – they thought they were going to outsmart the system, and basically mm-hmm. Vegas was like, all right, you want to play that game? We'll take this guy, and yeah, sure, right. that works for me. And they literally built a Stanley Cup contender it's out of bits and pieces. Like, it's ins- insane. It really is. It really is. Now, I think the GMs will have learned at least some lessons to a degree. I can't imagine Seattle has any chance of coming close to repeating 
what Vegas did. I would certainly hope so because, I mean... Right. What does that, that say about the GMs, right? Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. They, ha- they can't learn the first time. They get tricked the second time. Yeah. I mean, you have to imagine that. Um, they, they have to learn because you just can't have another situation. If you're any of the 31 other clubs, you just can't have another situation where you let the expansion franchise put together a team so potent that it reaches the Stanley Cup final and gives the... Who the team that goes on to win the Stanley Cup, you know, Stanley Cup, an actual run for their money? I mean, yeah. it, it's insane. A team mm-hmm. like like lost like Vegas can be put together and run so succinctly, and then you look at yeah. Arizona, another expansion <laughs> franchise, perfect that came segue into the league, uh, in the '90s, and they are just a tire fire. And you feel, uh, I mean, we've seen so much uh, with the New York Islanders. You feel bad for the fans of the of the Arizona Coyotes, but sure. there's just. So much that goes on with that franchise that just can't get it together. Well, and it's funny, too, because it looked like for a little while that the ship was being righted, right? They ended up with some new ownership. It looked like, you know, they had a young, (laughs) promising GM in place. And he was, you know, he brought in a guy like Kessel and Taylor Hall. And, you know, they were building something down there. And just out of the blue, just... WTF, Christian? What the hell? Why don't you explain it? Just what happened? What's going on? And what does this say now? I mean, what t- terrible timing for this to happen too, right before the playoffs? Right? It's insane. Oh, that that adds an even an even crazier level level to this whole thing because look, if you're not aware of what's going on, the Arizona Coyotes general manager John Chica essentially quit. Um, and depending on who you asked, there's a lot of. A lot of bad blood now between ownership yeah. and Shaika because there was, I guess, some potential job opportunity with another mm. franchise. And basically, if I understand the story correctly, he said, no, no, I'm not really interested. I'll go sit down with the meeting. I'll take it, but I don't really want to leave for another position. Mm. And depending on whose reporting you, you take, right. um, I think we were talking talking about the Elliot Freeman story I was looking at earlier before mm. we got on the air. Yeah. Um, basically, the Freeman story goes... He went, he sat down for this meeting, and they basically made him a godfather-like offer that he just couldn't refuse. Mm-hmm. And so he tried to get out, and they were like, no, like you lied to us. Like you said you were just going to take this meeting, you were staying, mm-hmm. you lied to us. And yeah. apparently ownership was big John Chica fans. They extended his contract three or four years, depending, again, who you talk to and who you're, right. who's reporting you're reading. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's just a, it's just a crazy situation. Now they're, they're heading into the postseason. They have to re-sign... Um, a guy like Taylor Hall at the after the season. Yeah, I mean Islander fans obviously looking at that, going, "All right, great, let him come here." The Islanders have their own situation right. with the cap to kind of work out if that's even feasible. Yeah, but it, I mean, it makes that job so much harder. It makes the fact that now the players are going into the Edmonton bubble and they now have to deal with the fact that people are going to ask them. I mean, they're a little more insulated considering the circumstances, so it's not mm. maybe as much of a headache as it would have been in years past. But yeah. still. You know, you can't escape it now. You talk to a lot of these players. They know there's a lot of downtime. What do you do de- during your downtime? You're probably going to watch a little TV. You're probably going to hang out with some people. It's going to come up. It's not. It's unavoidable at this point. And with the NHL, especially with these these playoff cities being based in uh, Canada, mm-hmm. it's 24-7 up there. You're not getting away from the story. Right, and there was a reporter covering it. Let, you know, you say there's bad blood, and it certainly wasn't an amicable split. There was I forget the name of the, the gentleman who who's covering the team who who put the news out there, but basically he cited an N- quote unquote NHL source that called that said Shika was a liar and a quitter. Like these are the sorts of words that are coming out, and that may not that may be coming from somebody in the NHL that that doesn't even have anything to do with the Coyotes. So it definitely seems like 
you know, it was a terrible situation, however it went down, and, and now it's a whole he said, she said. I know Chaika made a very brief statement that didn't really explain much. He actually alluded to the fact that he might have to say something down the road to help clear the air, but just an ugly situation. And Islander fans, I suppose, we can kind of take a look at this situation and be like, hey, just glad it's not us. <laughs> you know, you look back at all the history with this team and all the stuff that the fans have gone through and all the different ownership right. BS and the building BS, you know, you don't wish any ill will on the Arizona Coyotes. No, not by but, any stretch of the imagination. You know, as an Islander fan, you're probably like, hey, it's nice to see some news like this and have it not be us. <laughs> by the way, the reporter you're referencing was Craig Morgan. He covers Thank the you. Arizona Coyotes for uh, azcoyotesinsider.com. There you Just go. Just so we properly source where we're getting our information from. Christian, that's why you're here. <laughs> that's why you're here. I, I appreciate the backup there, man. So, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff going on in Arizona. We'll see, if, you know, we'll see if it has an effect on the ice and you know, their performance in this qualifying it's, round. It's just insane that this is all going down yeah. right as the playoffs are about to be, and I'm sure the league's not thrilled about this Oh, situation. my God, I'm sure. The ben, story, Bettman cursed somebody out. Right, the story <laughs> that, that Friedman also reported is now that they want, I'm not sure if it's Coyote's ownership or Chica wants Gary Bettman to get involved and basically make a ruling on if his contract is voidable, if he's still right, under contract. Right. Like, just kind of solve this situation, which is just not the position and not the story you want to be dealing with heading into what should be a triumphant return for the league who has worked so which has worked so hard to get back to this point. And is another team even going to want to touch Chica with a 10-foot pole? I mean, that's after a this? good question too. You know? it, I mean, depending again on the reporting, again Elliot Friedman who whose story was the most recent that I saw before we jumped on the air here mm-hmm. is that there were a couple teams one a couple sources thought maybe it was Buffalo or or New Jersey Devils obviously they have Tom Fitzgerald now as their uh, general manager, so maybe not the New Jersey Devils, but I mean, it's a and and the opportunity that I think came along for Chike was the fact that he'd have a role in a couple different organizations that this potential ownership group owns. So mm-hmm. you know, they ran an NHL franchise. Maybe they have a, a basketball franchise, a soccer franchise. You know, a football. Who knows? But mm-hmm. that was also part of the deal, which I guess would be appealing if you're Chike and you want to kind of stretch your legs a little bit. Lula Amarella had a little bit of a. Similar pull when he was um, involved with the Devils. I believe he was also involved with the Yankees ownership group or something to that effect, too. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, these guys are not not used to taking on multiple roles within different organizations. But still, I mean, you're right. It's a good point. After all of this, yeah. you know, hockey's a small, small circle. Right. People talk. And yeah. if this is the perception. And he's so young. You yeah. know, like it would be terribly blackballed at such a young age yeah. and, and not be able to get another job. But, you know, we'll see. But folks, with that, we gotta wrap it up. So wanna send a big thanks out to big thanks out to George Richards of Florida Hockey Now. Great spot with him. Big thanks to our sponsor, Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Remember, we're gonna have a little clip coming up about that fun we had there today. We'll find out what happened with the challenge, if we were successful, if Christian's tummy's gonna be alright. <laughs> we'll figure that out. Remember, folks, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Tell your friends. You can follow Christian on Twitter at C underscore Arnold 01. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And folks, next week we're going to find out how it feels to be Tony Stabile. He's coming on. The games will have started. We're going to find out how he feels about game one. Folks, we're days away. Exhibition game Wednesday. 
Game one on Saturday. It's all happening. Hockey is coming back. We're excited. So keep it here at Hockey Night in New York. Thank you so much for tuning in. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. Have a great rest of your night and take care.